Dear Father, thank you for this evening and for making us a church that we can meet together. That throughout the week when we maybe feel very on our own, um, out in our workplaces, studying, where we live, whatever it may be, thank you that we can gather again. We can come back for some refreshment uh, in each other, in our relationships, in you and your word. Lord, we've been learning how we need Christ. We need to be rooted in him. So we pray that tonight you would root us in him. And Lord, as we think about mission and our, and our great privilege of telling others about Jesus, um, help us to learn, help us to understand what that means, and to live it out, and to help each other do that. And I pray, especially uh, as next door, um, your gospel is being explored um, by some people for the very first time. I pray that your spirit would work, and as they hear, they would believe. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wonderful. Uh, so we are continuing to work through our church values using the book of Colossians. That's what we're, we're doing this term. Um, and our values are, are you ready, everybody? Okay. You look so ready. Uh, we glorify God by being relational, discipling, missional, generous. So we've done relational, being family. Um, and thinking about what it means to, to be a family, and you've seen that in Colossians. We thought about last, last week about being a discipling church. Um, what does it mean to mature? How do we grow? And we thought about those different ways in which we might be tempted to think our, I guess we started with the cross and Jesus and stuff, and now we need the really spiritual stuff to get, to get us going. And there are all sorts of ways in which we try and overcome sin and grow, and we tell ourselves to stop it, and we get all these... Uh, maybe methods and things which we think are going to change us, but actually what we need is more of Christ. And how do we get more of Christ? In the Bible. Last week was, we need Christ in the Bible. Basics of being a Christian. But it's wonderful. And that's what we're about as a church. If we want to be a discipling church and disciple each other, it means we need to talk about Christ a lot to each other. And tonight we're thinking about our third value, which is being missional. Confidently um, making Christ known. To all people. So uh, we're going to see in Colossians um, a little bit about, about that. Now what I'd like to do as we start actually is to have a moment on your tables. Um, I'd like you to uh, quickly, we're not, we're not going to have much time for this, just share with each other who was it who was influential in telling you about Jesus? Who was it? Now uh, it may be that uh, you're here and you're not a Christian. And so uh, you're, you're still exploring, and so that, that would sound a little bit of a strange thing to say to you, but maybe someone is telling you about Jesus. But all of us will have some, a name or some names of some people who were really instrumental in telling us about Jesus. So just on the tables, share a few of those things, and we'll pop back in a moment. I'll unmute myself. Okay. Now, so we each have our own stories about how we became Christians. Uh, some of us, it happened over years. Some of us, it took a short time. Some of us grew up in a Christian family, and it was our parents who uh, told us. Some of us went through maybe struggles and some suffering, and that really made us question things and lead us to Christ. But we all have one thing in common, which is what we've just seen, that somebody told us the gospel. We heard it, and we truly understood it. That's what happened. Someone told us, we heard it, we truly understood it. You can't become a Christian any other way. You can't get the hope of Christ any other way. Someone tells you, you hear and you believe. It's how it works, 100%. Like, every single one of us. It's how it works. Now that stunningly simple 
yet life-changing story is the heart of what we call mission. So we're thinking about being a missional church, that's just the adjective of mission, we're, we're about mission. Mission is all about what um, the church is sent by God to do. Does someone mind getting the, getting the door, please? Thanks for that. Um, it's all about what God has sent the church to do in the world. That's, that's mission. And what God has sent us to do is to do what people did for you. That wasn't meant to rhyme. As it Which is, tell people the gospel, they hear and they believe. That's the heart of our mission. So for us to think about what does it mean to be a missional church, we really need to be convinced that this is how God saves people. We speak, people hear, they truly understand. I wonder though if we think that um, that that is just suspiciously simple. Things which promise much but are very easy sounding and simple, we get suspicious about. I know someone um, who entered his details to buy an iPad for one pound. He lost his details to a scam. And most of us most of us, I don't know why he didn't, um, would have seen that gone too, too simple to be true, right? And this mission of you tell people about Jesus, they hear and they believe, just seems a bit too simple, a bit maybe unspiritual even. I don't know, maybe you've stopped believing in mission. You've tried this thing, this simple thing of telling people about Jesus and it just doesn't seem to be working. You tried and tried and tried and that second part of the story where they believe just doesn't seem to be happening and I guess in a Colossian kind of way we think there must be some persuasion technique don't worry that was because it's plugged in that's why it being this is not the person okay uh, we, in a Colossian way we think okay maybe there's some some other philosophy some other technique um, which m- might be more effective than this very plain telling people about Jesus thing you know, maybe if they could have some kind of spiritual experience and be zapped with that, then, then they'd really believe. Now, remember last week we were learning how the Colossian problem is thinking that living the Christian life needs something different to starting the Christian life. Do you remember that? And Paul's saying, no, you, you carry on how you started in Christ. But, it, but imagine that Paul kind of gets the Colossian church into their focus groups, gets them sitting around the tables and says, just share with each other, guys, how it all began for you. Remember how you got saved in the first place. Do you remember how it all worked? And what he does is he takes them back to their story of being saved. And as we go back to their story of how it all began, we can learn again about the power of mission, of telling people about Jesus. So let's have a look um, at what Paul has to say. We're going to be in chapter 1. And we're going to start off by looking at the Colossian story. You shared your stories. We're going to look at the Colossian story. Chapter 1, verse 5. Sorry, verse 6. So he's just talked about the the message of the gospel that came to them. And then he says this, verse 6. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. So do you see how Paul reminds them of their story? This is how they received the hope from God. The gospel has been bearing fruit in them. What does he say? Verse six, 
since the day you heard it. Since the day you heard it. So as they sat in their focus groups and talked about who told them about the gospel or that day I heard it, one name would have kept cropping up around the table. Epaphras. Oh yeah, it's Epaphras. Yeah, when, when Epaphras came to Colossae, that's, yeah, that's when I heard. That's when I heard. They, it says, they learned, verse 7, the good news from him. So here is the person who did that basic thing of mission, told them the gospel. But the story isn't complete when someone's just told someone the gospel and said something. The end of verse 6 completes the story. It says, you heard it from Epaphras and truly understood God's grace. What a beautiful way of describing becoming a Christian. Truly understood God's grace. To truly understand God's grace isn't just to know about Christ. You know, maybe you're here and you're exploring Christianity. Uh, you're not a Christian and you've heard about God's grace and you know about Jesus. But in that sense, you haven't taken hold of it for yourself. That's what this is about. To truly understand it is to go, yes, I need God's grace. I know now that I'm in desperate need for some someone to bring me back to God. I need Christ to bring me forgiveness and give me eternal life with God. I need grace. I can't do anything. God needs to do everything for me. Jesus has done it. Christ, I put my hope in you. That's becoming a Christian. To hear and truly understand God's grace. So Paul wants to remind them, Colossians, this is how it all started for you. Epaphras told you, you heard, and you truly understood God's grace. And that's how the Christian life continues, the big message of Colossians. That's how it started, that's how it continues. You keep hearing the message of Christ and go deeper and deeper into it. So who's your Epaphras? We've been talking about this. Who is the faithful minister of Christ who told you about God's grace? I imagine what they did was probably very simple, unimpressive, There wasn't some major spiritual fancy thing that they did. But it was a real deal, wasn't it? Because here you are. You heard it and you believed. This is how God saves people. It's how God saved you. So if you feel like you've lost your steam in mission, and if as a church we begin to lose our steam, feeling like telling people the gospel just doesn't seem to make a difference, look back at your story and the story of every single other person in that church family, it does work. It does work. The gospel is bearing fruit in your life. You heard it. You understood God's grace. So we can be confident in God's time and according to God's will. He can keep doing that in other people. Now, I I don't want to give the impression it's some kind of obvious, like, uh, automatic mechanism we tell people they believe. Obviously, that's not true. It's all under God's timing. It's all under God's grace. But he says, this is how you do it. You tell people... And in his grace, they'll believe. So that's the Colossian story. It takes them back to their story of how they believed. But that's, if that's not enough to convince us to keep believing in mission and keep going, that this is how God changes lives, Paul takes it to another level. He says to the Colossians, this, this isn't just how it worked for you. This is going on all over the world. He points to the world story. So he starts with the Colossian story. Now he goes to the world story. He says, people all over the world are hearing and truly understanding God's grace. Have a look at verse 6. In the same way as you, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. 
throughout the whole world. Don't forget that for centuries, God's grace has primarily been concerned with one group of people, the Jewish people, in, and focused on one little bit of land in the Middle East. And for centuries and centuries and centuries, that was the focus of God's grace and God's salvation and God's relationship with humanity. And so isn't it stunning then to see how with the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, the gospel about him just exploded across the face of the earth. It's just unprecedented. No one saw that coming. Paul is writing Colossians around 60 AD. So about 30 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension. And he even then says it's bearing fruit throughout the whole world. I mean, this is early days, like really early days. But even he can see it just spreading and spreading and spreading. Like, it's, it's incredible. How does... The message, this message changed the lives of women, men and children from all different nations with such power and effectiveness. How does this happen? How does it spread like wildfire? Oh, just as it had been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood it. It's the same. People like Epaphras have been going around the world telling people about Jesus they've heard and they truly understood this ordinary method, which we so easily lose confidence in, spread the church like wildfire across the world. And it reached Britain. We're a long way from Jerusalem. Don't forget that. And this is what God's doing right now in our world. That same old gospel that saved the Colossians and that was spreading throughout the world in 60 AD is saving people all over the world today. In Africa in 1900, there were about 8.7 million Christians. Today, there are about 542 million. Projections are something like 1.2 billion in 2050. Spreading all over the world. How does this happen? Epaphras, people like him, tell people they hear, they believe, under God's grace. That's how it works. So what can keep us motivated as a church to keep going and being missional? What can help you in another week of trying to speak to your colleagues about Jesus? What can inspire us to patiently share the gospel with family members who for a long time have just not seen interested? What can sustain us as a church in raising and sending missionaries to the nations from this church? The fact that throughout the world in the most challenging of situations, mission is working. It's working. Let me tell you about Iran. This is, I'm going to quote from, you, from an article I read. The Iranian Revolution of 1979 established a hardline, green flag, a hardline Islamic regime. Over the next two decades, Christians faced increasing um, oppression and persecution. All missionaries were kicked out, evangelism was outlawed, Bibles in Persian were banned and Sue became scarce, and several pastors were killed. The church came under tremendous pressure. Many feared the small Iranian church would soon wither away and die. But the exact opposite happened. Despite continued hostility from the late 70s until now, Iranians have become the Muslim people most open to the gospel in the Middle East. How did this happen? Two factors have contributed. First, violence in the name of Islam caused widespread disillusionment with the regime and led many Iranians to question their beliefs. Second, listen to this, many Iranian Christians have continued to boldly and faithfully tell others about Christ in the face of persecution. As a result, more Iranians have become Christians in the last 20 years 
than in the previous 13 centuries put together since Islam came to Iran. Proclaiming Christ works. God is at work. It's the Colossians story. There's the world story. And there's the Globe Church story. The Globe Church was started because of mission. With a vision to reach Bankside, London-wide, nationwide and worldwide. But it's really easy for us to lose that focus as a church. Imagine you were in France um, under the Nazi invasion. Uh, You and your family lived in fear all the time. And you heard that there was a man with a little boat in Calais and under the cover of darkness he could take you across the channel to safety in the UK. You could escape the Nazi oppressors by simply getting in this boat, sailing across the channel to start a new life. And you heard about this man and where to find him. And one night you travelled to Calais, you found the man, you made it across the channel to safety. And you were so relieved to have made it, so glad to be free from that life of oppression and brutality under occupation, that you just threw yourself into your new life in the UK. But all that time you had that simple, life-saving hope that those back in France needed. There's a man with a boat and he can get them out. But life and safety made you just forget to get them too. As a church, we will constantly be tempted to settle down in the safety of our church life and get on with being relational, get on with being discipling, and growing in maturity, and all the while forgetting God's call to remain missional. We know about a man with a boat who can get people out of a life of hopelessness, sin, and eternity without God. We as a church know about Christ. The one who can reconcile, according to Colossians, the whole world back to God. Christ needs to be proclaimed. And if you're the kind of person who hears that and just feels awful and guilty and like it's all on you, it's not. This is a church-wide value. It's not just about you saving the world. This is us together, praying that we will keep that focus and be missional. Epaphras told the Colossians, someone told you, and now it's our privilege to tell others, And God's sovereignty and in his time and by his power, mission will work. So let's pray and ask God to do this through us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for those who we named around our table who told us. Just like Epaphras, they were faithful. And very simply, they they lived a life that was different. They patiently, sometimes very patiently, just shared with us about Christ. Thank you for your grace in our lives that you gave us the gift to to believe and to truly understand God's grace. And I pray so much that you would be pleased to use us to keep spreading the gospel, just as it has been doing since those early years after Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension. I pray that we wouldn't just get so settled in our little life here as a church that we would forget about the world outside of the church. Lord, we know that you don't forget. You're the God of love. And you are longing and waiting for people to turn to you. That's why Jesus hasn't come back yet. Today is the day of salvation. And you want to use us. So we thank you for each other. Thank you that we're in this together. That we can be missional together to share Christ. Thank you that we're not saved by our mission. That you love us just the same. And thank you that your spirit is with us to help us to speak and to give people life that they may hear and believe. Help us now to learn more, to challenge each other, 
to think about how we can prayerfully and carefully share Christ, that he might be loved and worshipped. In Jesus' name, amen.